Obi-Wan Kenobi Episode 4 is out on Disney+, and I've got my review right now. Hello, everybody, and welcome to my review of the fourth episode of Obi-Wan Kenobi. If I seem a little more restrained, it's because I'm on vacation, so I'm in a hotel at 4 o'clock in the morning, which is why I'm not quite projecting. I'm not using as much of my Dan voice for this episode, so this is a little bit of a, a more low-key review. It's kind of like crusty after dark on The Simpsons when Bart had to watch reruns that summer. And I'm my guest is AFL-CIO Chairman George Meany. We'll be discussing collective bargaining agreements. But that has not tempered my thoughts for the fourth episode of Obi-Wan Kenobi, our fourth episode out of six. There were some things that I liked. There are a lot of things that I have questions about and a whole lot to dive into. As a reminder, these are spoiler reviews, so I will not be dancing around the events that happen in this episode. If you haven't seen the fourth episode of Obi-Wan Kenobi yet, you should go watch that and then come back and finish this show. Last week's episode, I thought, had some great moments and some things that that I wasn't quite so sure about. I had some big questions on parts of it, and I largely felt the same with this episode. I thought there were some really, really good moments, almost all of them involving, well, Obi-Wan Kenobi, who's the name of the show, and then there are a lot of things that I have questions about, and it's kind of a mounting series of questions. So let's jump into what went on in this episode. So we start the episode on Jabim, which is where the Force-sensitive are taken at the end of this path that we learned about last episode, which is really kind of the, uh, to draw an historical equivalence, although not an importance, but just as far as, you know, the actual structure of it, an underground railroad for the Jedi so that they can basically escape the Empire and the Force-sensitive as well. The Empire's been hunting everybody. This is where they end up and following last week's big fight with Darth Vader, we have Obi-Wan Kenobi in a Bacta tank and they actually use this as I think it's an interesting concept. The idea that Darth Vader obviously is in a Bacta tank. Obi-Wan also in a Bacta tank recovering from his injuries and we have this, this kind of comparison between the two, almost like they're both reflecting back on this fight and I wonder if this was something that was planned or if it's something in editing where they're like, oh, we have all these shots of Anakin slash Darth Vader in a back to tank let's do this kind of back and forth thing where it's like you know drawing parallels I think it's an interesting idea but but you know to take it a step further I think it was also a missed opportunity because when you look at what you could have done with that moment I think you could have used this as a moment for Obi-Wan and Anakin Skywalker really to connect to each other through the Force. Really, their first direct connection as not Darth Vader and Obi-Wan Kenobi, but Anakin Skywalker and Obi-Wan Kenobi. It would have given Hayden Christensen a chance to come in and do some of his own voice acting work for the character. And I think it would have been an even bigger step towards what I assume is going to be this climactic confrontation between Vader and Obi-Wan Kenobi. So as cool as I think this idea was of the two of them, you know, kind of being the same in this moment, I really really wish that they would have taken it a step further because I think you missed on a great character moment between these two and and I hope that's what this season is driving towards. We also have Leia who via magic tunnel last episode was taken by Reva and she is now at the Fortress Inquisitorius which will never not be a name that I love for the headquarters of the Inquisitors. And we know this young lady by now. She's very spunky and she's giving Reva the full Megan McCain treatment. My father is Bail Organa. He's a senator. I am a princess of Alderaan. But this storyline is starting to raise some serious questions for me regarding the character of Leia. I thought maybe in the early episodes of the season, maybe she was the inciting incident and she was actually going to get back home to Alderaan 
in the last episode, and the rest of this was going to be about this conflict between Obi-Wan and Darth Vader and Reva and the Empire, but it seems like Leia's going to be in it for the long haul, and, and it kind of gets me wondering, you know, the character of Leia Organa is someone who was intimately involved with Imperial dealings right up until the time she went into open rebellion against the Empire in A New Hope. Her father, as we just saw, was an Imperial senator. She was very much living a public life, essentially as part of the Empire, and the longer that she's in this show, the more... I have to wonder if she was, as a child, captured by the Empire with Obi-Wan Kenobi, a infamous Jedi, a long-searched-for Jedi. And then this episode establishes that Reva has found out that Leia is Force-sensitive. It doesn't seem like Reva at this point is hiding anything from Darth Vader or has any reason to hide something from Darth Vader. I don't see any hint of a turn here where she could be kind of squirreling away information for later on or that she's having second thoughts. And so my question would be, if the Empire knows all of these things about Leia, that she was captured, that she was with Jedi, potentially that she's Force-sensitive, then how was she allowed to live this very intimately involved imperial life that allowed her to to get access to the halls of power? And I think that it's something that the show is going to have to answer. And, and I think one of the biggest issues with Obi-Wan Kenobi is it kind of started off with one canonical question, which was, you know, how can you explain what Vader says to Obi-Wan when they meet? When I left you, I was but the learner. Now I am the master. But I think now, because you're bringing in so many legacy characters, you have to answer so many other questions uh, regarding Leia. And even now that you brought Darth Vader in for more than an episode or two, and you You've shown that he easily bested Obi-Wan in this first confrontation. Uh, that kind of even heightens the question that I think a lot of people had about this show. I know that some people say, well, you know what, who cares? Canon doesn't matter. Those movies were written, you know, 40 years ago or whatever. Uh, this is a new Star Wars. And, and you know, if that's your opinion, that's fine. But there are some people that do care about established canon as my over-hour-long breakdown of Star Trek Picard Season 2 will attest if I'm ever able to actually finish it. So I think that's a series of mounting questions for the show now, is how will it position itself so that these events occur as we've seen them occur, and yet it doesn't seem to be in very stark contradiction. Not like tiny little details that you have to kind of, you know, smudge over a little bit, but stark contradiction to what we already know about the Star Wars universe. The bulk of this episode is really Obi-Wan's mission to Nur, which is where the Inquisitors are headquartered to rescue Leia from Reva and the Empire. And this was my favorite part of the episode because it was our first glimpse this season at the general Obi-Wan Kenobi. The Obi-Wan Kenobi who was one of the most revered Jedi Knights in the galaxy. And I think it's actually really great on a character level. I think that you needed to see, and it's been criticized by a lot of people, but I think you needed to see his struggles early in the season to appreciate the fact that when it came down to it, and when it was literally a matter of life and death for him and Leia, those protective instincts kicked in, and you could see the fact that all of these force sensitivities never really left him, and being a Jedi just came naturally to him. That hallway fight scene where he's deflecting laser blasts, and the droids are fighting, and there's people in front of him, people behind him. You see that that's just instinct for him, and it really shows that when he's able to 
to not focus on the trauma of what's happened to him, but remember what the Jedi are all about and the good that he can still do in the galaxy. You see what he's still capable of. And so I liked that beat in this episode. It was my favorite thing. And I think it justifies the weaker Obi-Wan that we saw in the previous episodes because I think you have to take that journey. And I hope that we don't have a setback and we continue on from here to Obi-Wan coming back into his full abilities and his full power as a Jedi. Another scene that I really liked was the one where he's freeing Leia and you have that big dark room and the lightsaber lights up and he slashes the stormtroopers. I mean, Obi-Wan was dropping bodies in this episode, but you could also see why the Jedi in their prime were not only respected by their allies, but feared by their enemies. And there's always been that little dark side to the Jedi, which I've always liked, no pun intended. I mean, there is a balance in the force and I like that you could see how these Jedi tactics can be used, not just for open protection, but for stealth. We also see the discovery of the bodies of several Jedi down in the bowels of Inquisitor HQ. And I went back and listened to the audio description for this episode, which is one of the audio tracks that you can choose on Disney+. And these bodies are described as being in amber slabs, which is perhaps some uh, sly cross-promotion for Jurassic World Dominion, which is opening this weekend. But I hope we're not opening the door potentially to reviving some of these Jedi. I mean, they're referred to as, it's referred to as a tomb. So I think that the implication here is that these are corpses. And a lot of these are Jedi that I'm sure people recognize from other shows uh, that I haven't seen. There's been some speculation that one of them is perhaps Mace Windu. And it's just a justification to bring back Samuel L. Jackson. I, I don't want to bring back all these Jedi to life. I think it is kind of horrific to think about the fact that the Inquisitors have have all of these Jedi just kind of preserved down in the basement for whatever reason. It's pretty dark and twisted, but I hope it's not there to sort of advance like, oh, Mace Windu's back, coming fall 2024 on Disney+. Plus. I would not be happy with that turn of events. Speaking of being stuck in Amber, it kind of feels like Reva's character is stuck in Amber because there's obviously another shoe that's going to drop with her. But that shoe isn't even approaching the ground yet because, I mean, she was ready to go full child torture in this episode. She planted the tracker on Obi-Wan and Leia, and I don't think that it's one of those like, oh, I had the long con plan in my head. I think that there is going to be a turn with Reva, but we're running out of episodes to do that turn at the same time as we're, we're servicing still the Leia storyline, the Obi-Wan Kenobi storyline, the Obi-Wan and Darth Vader storyline. There's lots of ground that we have to cover yet, and we're still not learning a whole lot about Reva other than the fact that, you know, she's an Inquisitor. The Reva-Leia stuff I wasn't the biggest fan of, although we did get another Leia sick burn, and I'm not on board with everything that's been done with young Leia in the series so far, but I do appreciate the sass. This is Derek contest. We also get a little bit more of Darth Vader in this episode, and I actually loved his entrance, the way that he just storms into that room and, you know, brings Reva up and is ready to just force Choker to death. Like, to me, I looked at that and I was like, see that? That is the most feared man in the galaxy, and it's stuff that they did starting in the last episode. I like how they're treating this brutality of early Darth Vader, really, as far as, you know, we're several years now before the original trilogy. And Reva almost does buy it in this episode, except for uh, they have her pull the old I let them escape, which is something that the Empire has done many times before. And it's actually kind of funny because last week I brought up 
my issues with that fight between Darth Vader, Obi-Wan Kenobi and saying, well, I don't get why Darth Vader just watched Obi-Wan escape. Like it seemed like it was easily within his capabilities to try to recapture Obi-Wan or stop him from being taken away. And many, many people down in the comments said that Darth Vader was actually doing what we saw Reva do in this episode, which is that, oh, he was letting Obi-Wan escape because he wanted to get to the root of where this Jedi underground was. But it was very obvious to me from his reaction in this episode, this is not a guy who was in on the plan. I put a tracker on the ship. It seems I have underestimated you. So I think that that explanation for why Obi-Wan escaped last week's encounter kind of goes down in flames a little bit, no pun intended. But my bigger question is, why wasn't that what happened last week? Because it achieves several objectives when you look at the story for this season. Let's say that we can rewind back to the last episode and the plan was for Darth Vader to let Obi-Wan escape, that he was able to plant some kind of tracker on him during their fight, which could easily have been done because it was a very close quarters fight. And it would explain a lot of things and a lot of big questions that I had about last week. It would explain why he didn't kill Obi-Wan. It would explain why he let him get away, but put up enough of a fight to make it seem like it was an actual life or death confrontation. It would be a real mind screw by Vader to kind of make Obi-Wan responsible for the final death of of what remains of the Jedi Order, or at least their path to safety, by allowing himself to be tracked to this secret base. It would set up a huge confrontation between Darth Vader and Obi-Wan in the last episode or two. And it would make this episode largely unnecessary. We had those cool Obi-Wan moments, but I think again, and I had this thought with a lot of moments from the Darth Vader-Obi-Wan fight last week, you could have taken those and put them later in the show where the dramatic stakes were raised a little bit more than just kind of a one-off confrontation. And I mean, when you look at the flow of the season, we have six episodes. And this was the fourth episode, and inside this fourth episode, plot-wise, there's not a whole lot of progress made, which troubles me when I worry about the arc of the season, because I've seen this happen on Disney Plus Star Wars shows, on Disney Plus Marvel shows already, which is the idea that you get to the last episode or two episodes, and it seems like you're either leaving a whole bunch of things unresolved, or you're rushing to a resolution, whereas when you look back on the season, you see an opportunity where you could have tightened the storytelling and made this a more efficient story. And I'm getting more and more worried that when I look back on this season of Obi-Wan, it's going to be a lot of individual elements and individual moments that I really liked, but inside of a story that I didn't think was very well told. It was honestly the same exact issue I had with the Book of Boba Fett, which was a mess narratively, structurally. It was all over the place, but inside of that mess, there were little tiny pockets of things that were really cool and that I really enjoyed. It just wasn't presented in the best way narratively. So that's going to be a big focus of mine as we go into these last two episodes. And, you know, we're kind of on the edge of a knife here. I think that with a really solid last two episodes, you could wash away a lot of the questions that I've had and really leave me coming out of this, this series with a positive feeling. Or I think that you could really go the other way. I could see these last two episodes being way too overstuffed with story and characters and new characters and kind of losing the ball narratively and me coming out feeling a lot more like the Book of Boba Fett, although it's going to be a lot more upsetting if I feel uh, like I did about the Book of Boba Fett uh, with this show because this 
show, Obi-Wan Kenobi, has been the one that I and a lot of other fans have had circled for a very long time because of the return of Ewan McGregor. And you hope that if you're going to bring him back, you're going to do something really special instead of just a few tiny little things here and there inside of a jumbled story. A couple scattered notes going forward. We have a new ally for Obi-Wan and Leia, and that is Roken, who's played by O'Shea Jackson Jr. It seems like he may have a larger role in the last two episodes. He had a Force-sensitive wife who was killed by the Empire, so he's got his own vendetta. He also has his own crew, including a couple pilots who are the ones who ultimately save Reva and Obi-Wan. Obi-Wan and Leia. By the way, it is kind of funny that Leia and Obi-Wan are doing the two kids on each other's shoulders in a trench coat trick uh, to escape the Empire. Uh, But it is uh, Roken's pilots who come in and save Obi-Wan and the rest of the group. Uh, One of them doesn't make it out. And I was like, oh no, that guy. Uh, But it seems like we're going to have some new allies, but that's again more new characters to try to fold into these last two episodes. So really at this point, I'm just kind of like, eh. We'll see where we go from here. I think with these weekly releases, it's a little bit of a double-edged lightsaber in the sense that you have the excitement of a new episode weekly and you can kind of draw out uh, the story over multiple weeks and it can kind of exist in people's minds longer than just a, a binge watch drop. But I also feel like each episode has the weight of the entire series. And I think that some people judge the entire series by individual episodes, which is tough because it's only part of the story. So, I, you know, I'm, 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 I'm a little less enthusiastic overall. I'm a little more in wait and see mode. So those are my thoughts on Obi-Wan Episode 4. Have you seen it? What did you think of it? Let me know down in the comments below. Again, sorry for the more restrained review, but I don't want to wake up all the neighbors here in this hotel. Thanks so much for watching. Be sure to stay tuned because later this week, I have a review of Jurassic World Dominion. I'll be seeing that Thursday night, so you can see my review either Thursday night or Friday morning here on the channel whenever I'm able to get it out. I may do a spoiler review on the weekend. Uh, We'll see. Uh, Some of the advanced buzz leads me to think that I may have a bunch to talk about, so uh, perhaps we'll be getting two videos on Jurassic World Dominion. Also, be sure to check out uh, not only Charts with Dan, which came out yesterday morning, but my review of the first two episodes of Ms. Marvel, which premiered simultaneously with Obi-Wan on Disney Plus last night. That's a weird decision that I also don't understand. Uh, So a lot of stuff to watch here on the channel. Thank you so much for watching. Uh, Be sure to hit that subscribe button. Hit that bell if you haven't. There's a little bell that notifies you when I post new videos. And with the summer movie season going on, there's a whole lot of new videos to post. But most of all, thank you for watching this video. Until next time, stay safe, and I'll see you then. Bye. Waiting on a tax return? Hopefully it ends up in your hands. Fraudulent tax returns due to identity theft increased by 30% in 2023. If you're in a bind this tax season, LifeLock can help. Our U.S.-based restoration specialists are experts dedicated to helping solve your identity theft issues. And all LifeLock plans are backed by the Million Dollar Protection Package. So we'll reimburse you up to the limits of your plan if you lose money due to identity theft. Help protect your information this tax season with LifeLock. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com aware. Don't you love an extra $100 in your pocket? Have a TurboTax expert file your taxes for you by March 31st to get $100 back instantly. Because no matter what moves you made last year, TurboTax makes them count. That means getting $100 back and 100% accurate taxes only from Intuit TurboTax. 
Must file by 331. Credit only applicable to federal filing fees with TurboTax full service. Offer can be modified or terminated at any time.